Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Jose Echegoyen, who's the owner of NextGen Living and is also a day trader. I love talking with Jose. We talk about the journey of entrepreneurship, selling what people want, and also thinking about having multiple streams of income. If you're listening and you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner, this is something you can probably relate with. I love this episode. You're going to enjoy it too. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today and checking out another one of our amazing episodes where we sit down with other entrepreneurs, other business owners, and heck, we just took a lot of good advice, those actionable, tangible, practical things that you need to know when it comes to actually running a business. There's so much fluff on social media. There's so much noise out there. What are simply the things you need to know? We're talking about it today. I'm sitting down with Jose Echegoyen, who's the owner of NextGen Living. It is a smart home automation business. He's also in a true entrepreneur's form with multiple streams of income. He's also a day trader, which we're going to be talking about both of those things today. If you're curious about either smart home technology, running a business, and more importantly, the potential upsides and maybe even painful downsides of day trading, all of that and more is on today's episode. Jose, it's great to finally sit down with you and have you on the show today. Thank you very much, Blake. It's uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Now, we've had your wife on the show before. She was an amazing guest. So the, the expectations are high. So naturally, Amanda did ask me to tell her which guest was better after the... I'm just kidding. She didn't. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have both of you on. And I'm very excited that you and I finally made this conversation happen. And uh, I've been wanting to have you on for forever. And I just apologize that it just took me an eternity to finally schedule it, get it booked. Um, you know, I hate, I felt like I was that guy who was like, yeah, come on the show. And then you like never heard from me again. Uh, but it's, it's just great to have you on finally. Thank you, man. No worries. I understand how it goes. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're here and uh, I'm excited. Well, so I have to ask you about your background. You guys are listening in. You're not watching like on YouTube. Uh, Jose, I'm, I'm spotting quite a few. It looks like Coca-Cola bottles, I think, and cans. Uh, and even some really cool... Uh, are, those, are, are those serving dishes? Or I can't quite yeah. tell... Okay, and they look like some Coke inspired. Now, are you? Do you have like a contract deal with Coke to rep their products on the Good Advice podcast? Like, what's what's the story here with the background? You know, actually, I wish that Coca Cola will sponsor me in some way, but <laughs> they don't. It just, uh, you know, I have several hobbies, and one of them is uh, I love Coca Cola memorabilia. I've been in, I mean, collecting them since I was a kid. 
And the thing is that people know that I like Coca-Cola memorabilia and they offer me things. Most of the things that you see are really old. And I really concentrate on the really old antique classic Coca-Cola memorabilia. So those plays that you might see in the background, they're probably 50 to 60 years old. Wow. So they all sort of trays and I have cans and I have uh, Coca-Cola bottles as you see, at least all those over here, they're at least 30 years or, or more from all over the world. So wow. I know it's exciting. You can kind of see how, um, you know, very smart marketing people have or product design. They've reduced, they've reduced the size ever so slightly <laughs> over the years. Yes. Yeah. So, and you can see that I have them, you know, labeled that way, show that way. Yeah. So, um, do you have the, uh, like the, the, the holiday, like polar bear, because isn't there I like do. a different can every year? I do. Yes, I do. I have okay. them actually on that side. <laughs> and they're round like this. They're not cans. They're like it's a little bottles like this. I do. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I remember I have, uh, my yeah. mom joked about collecting them when we were younger because we noticed that every year they had a different one. Yeah. So just, just a quick question, then we'll, we'll get into the actual conversation today. <laughs> when you collect cans, so I see the bottles are unopened. Do the cans stay unopened as well? That is correct. I okay. uh, I value them more that way, just because for me is intact. The, the the more you can conserve the original factor, mm-hmm. the better it is. So, is there a? I promise this is the last question. I'm so curious. <laughs> is there a new Coke can somewhere in there? They have there it? is. Okay. There is a new Coke, and uh, there's a new variant of Coke. You know, zero the zero sugar. Yeah. Uh, and several ones as well. The ones I've, I just the last thing I want to say too. <laughs> I love soccer. It's one of my favorite sports with Formula One, and I collect them for every single World Cup that I can. Wow. So I have them as well. Okay. Well, I will make sure that we keep your home address hidden for all those people who want <laughs> their own new Coke can memorabilia. Uh, we want to protect your your identity a bit. Um, uh, Jose, like I said, man, it, it's just great to have you on the show today. Um, I love what you're doing with next gen living, uh, for our listeners, you absolutely need to go check out nextgenliving.net. Um, I, you know, Jose in general, I just appreciate people who are, um, not just receptive to technology, but who are actively embracing it. And it surprises me. It feels like you know, smart home technology, we're starting to see it. I say starting, I mean, the last five years we've seen it, but like with Nest and with, you know, things like that, we're starting to see it a bit more mainstream. Uh, A friend of mine a few years ago had a new grill, like put into his deck and he could control the temperature on his phone. I think it's cheating a little bit, but you know, it's, it's a technological world. And yet it feels still that people are sort of slowly, moving into embracing it, it feels like next gen living is a really important business out there, especially in a world where we're not, we're not seeing, I mean, we're seeing adoption, but it's, I guess it's just not as fast as I would expect it to happen. Um, Tell us a little bit more about the business, about next gen living and what's happening there. Absolutely. You said it right on, Blake. The fact that I, I might consider myself a technology geek, and I've been tinkering around with electronics, and I remember probably 10 years ago or more with all the first devices related to automation. And I thought about, I saw the need 
in the uh, in the community, I would say though about automation. I actually automation is a big part of what I like and I do it in my house as well. And the fact that it makes your life easier. And when you think about automation, people think about oh, I can control it from my phone. Yes, that's an aspect of automation. But for me, it's automation is a step further, meaning let the house do the tasks for you. Let the automation system do things for you and actually so you can actually have more time to do something else. So the fact that having a uh, a system per se actually looking after you, it's a great thing of having a, uh, you know, get somebody else just looking after you whenever you're not there. So the fact that as well, just looking at what all automation can do it's we can actually spend the whole day, you know, the whole hour here just speaking of that. But just in, in, in normal terms, you think of it as automation as a tool that can actually make your life easier. Now, how close are we to the Iron Man Jarvis, <laughs> you know, smart home? I mean, it does feel like I mean that movie was, I guess, 10 years ago. It does mm-hmm. feel like we're a lot closer today, but yeah. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, you know, uh I just don't want to scare people out there. I think that automation is uh, the uh, the eye on the sky, you know, just spying on you. But the things that we can do, you will be very, very impressed. Um, and if I can just mention one that I think is one very interesting, the system knows, it's a very smart system. Just let me just explain a little bit about the system that I sell. It's a system that actually is a server that lives in your house. So the server is the one who controls pretty much everything around sensors and all the things connected to your house. So the system is a smart system. And when I mean smart, it knows the time of day and where the location of the house is. So where the house is located, if you have automatic blinds, it knows that the sun is hitting in certain area of the house. It can open the blinds by itself, hit the house, especially in the winter, when the temperature reaches certain levels, it just closes. All of that automation, you don't have to touch with. And the other way around, in the at night, of course, it will close whenever the, the, sun, the sun goes down, if it's something you want to do. Or in the summer, the, the shades will stay close as long, you know, the sun is hitting that area so the house doesn't get heat up. So this is just one small thing that automation can do for you. I, I want this only for the pure fact of like having a guest over and then just being like, did your blinds just shut on their own? Like, yeah, and they do a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I just I just wink at them and they know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know a little bit of the hesitancy around adoption has been on, um, you mentioned it yourself, you know, sort of big brother, um, who's watching, how secure is it, uh, all of that stuff. I mean, when we talk about a server in your house, like, is this relatively safe from the average you know virtual intruder i mean where's the technology today in terms of protecting the homeowner in terms of their personal space that's a great question and it's pretty much the second best question the the more often question they ask me about that i myself i'm completely paranoid i would say of security and by having a server in your house it's actually the most, I would say, safest way, because if you understand how a third party 
a component, okay, like a nest or a ring device works, they have to leave your house. They go to the central servers, whatever those companies are hosted, okay? So if you analyze from a security standpoint, like a road, it's traveling from point A to point B. Yes, there is a chance, okay? Nothing is 100% secure, no matter what you say, but there's a chance of somewhere there getting intercepted. By the fact of you having your own server means it's a local server, meaning it's just a round trip within your house. So the system that I do sell and install, it's a server that does not leave your house. So the information stays inside your house. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing too, if let's say the internet goes down, your system still works because it's dependent inside your house, not outside, meaning outside connection to go somewhere else. So there's certain things that we can do in order for to have secure our, you know, our information. But my system, I would say, is one of the most secure that we can have. Mm. Now, I know you do some consulting work with this where someone wants um, recommendations for how to, and I'm sorry for sounding so dumb, uh, smartify their home, I guess, <laughs> you know, to really um, build in that automation into their, into their home. And so I know that you're having conversations with people where they're like, hey, I'd, I'd like to see this happen. I'd like to do this. And in some cases, you're even designing these systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, two questions. What's the most commonly asked for or expected feature in automation? And then second question, what's the most unique or um, uncommon request that you've received in terms of building these systems? Hmm. Interesting. So the first question the most is they want to be able to control their lights and having sensors around the house because the sensor is a component of as well the lights. So if they see or, or, or uh, get some uh, movement, the lights will come on. And then, then they show that the house is like somebody's at the house. So that's the most simple uh, requested things that we can do. As well, within the, the, the systems, we can go very basic and very complicated. So to answer your second question, I'm trying to think what has been the, the request. Um, okay, so I had this customer. He, uh, he's a very techie person. And uh, I've, he, the first thing he asked me when we sat down, he said, Jose, what is the most crazy innovative product that you have? And I said, uh, well, there's several. It all depends on exactly what's the purpose of what, what you want to accomplish. So this product is not some, it's not in my product line, but my system integrates with this product. So it's a kind of a window with it's transparent that actually can become a screen at the same time. So let's say you can you can design a refrigerator that actually has that panel above, you know, on on the door, and it will become transparent, and you would see actually through. Or at the same time, that can become a whole screen. But the, the, I know the refrigerator that has some screens. No, we're talking about that special window mm. type of thing that you can that can become a whole screen, and then can just do all sort of things. So we looked into that. Sadly, we could not you know, make it happen. Uh, the, the project went, you know, in a different route, but 
it was a request that he was so into it. And he mm-hmm. said, how can we make this happen? So mm-hmm. it, was, it was very interesting. It, you know, it's so funny to me how technology develops over the years, because you would think that technology like as a whole develops based on like the immediate essential functional needs. And yet there are these very niche or, um, you know, cause it's not, I mean, I don't know how much more functional it is to be able to see what's in your fridge versus just opening and looking, but it's interesting how technology it does develop and change based on these sort of, um, I don't want to call them random, but just more uncommon desires of people. You yourself, since you called yourself a techie, I mean, I'm sure you've seen just technology in general just advance itself even in the last 10 years. I mean, I was at a, an event this morning. We were, someone was talking about how their grandmother would, um, you know, the way they'd make popcorn is they would, you know, do the oil and the butter, or whatever in the pan. And she like had, he was talking about how she had like a quilt that was hung up that was like hand, you know, she was like hand knitting it and, you know, just very rough. I remember my, my grandmother had like an actual butter churner. I mean, just things, things just, it feels like even in the last 10 years have developed so fast. Yeah. Uh, obviously we've had, <laughs> we didn't have butter churners 10 years ago, I guess, but, um, but in terms of like things that were created 10 years ago that were now even so much farther past. Um, I mean, I grew up, you know, when, Oh, there's this thing called Blu-ray. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. like, now it's like, Oh yeah, Blu-ray, whatever. Now we stream everything. You know, does it does it just blow your mind like how it feels exponentially like we are just, you know, growing more and more and more? It is. It it it, it just blows my mind, but at the same time I get so excited. I mean, the more I can consume of new technology, I I I I can spend hours of research and, and just going back to that question you asked me earlier, whenever he came with this idea. I initially didn't know how to make it happen, but I went online and, and then getting talking with my partners and I found this, the supplier that actually had that product. And it blew my mind, all the things that you actually could do. And I thought to myself, I wonder what, you know, what the future holds. Mm. Uh, so for me, it's just getting into that. It, it's one of my passions. Mm. I would, you know, I would just go out there. You'd bring me the request. And I will not tell you that I can make it happen, but I can guarantee you, I'll give you an answer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny to me because I think about even like how much like voice content or voice technology has advanced itself. Um, I'm still frustrated at my Alexa where I'm like, Hey, play this song. And it like gives me, I'm like, no, that is not what I said at all. But um, how much of this, how much of this, like, do you, in the back of your mind, it, it does feel like as technology is advancing, there's like this inherent, like social responsibility you know, are we heading towards, you know, Terminator, you know, Skynet becoming <laughs> self-aware? I mean, is that is that sort of like, you know, blowing smoke where it's like, okay, I mean, for real, like that's it's not gonna happen? Or is is this for an average technologist, is this social responsibility in the back of everyone's mind? Social responsibility has to be, in my opinion, in everyone's mind. Technology does advance in a very fast pace. I have no doubt that there's technology out there that we don't know about so far, and it can blow our minds. I'm 100% sure of that. But we need to be responsible to understand that technology is just a method, something to help us as human beings. You know, it's not intended to take the place by any means of your actual uh, mind, per se, or become someone higher than human beings. Technology is there just to 
help us improve our quality of life. But, you know, technology out there and, and, and it's just growing at a very high pace. And I think it's going to get to a point that there's going to be some, I wouldn't say 100% ethical discussions, but there's going to be some discussions I think to be made on where's a line per se. Um, there's one new uh, device out there that it's, I've actually signed up hopefully to get it. It's called Astro. It's by Amazon. I'm not sure everyone has heard about it, but it's a robot. And it's a robot inside your house that don't think about a robot like almost like a look a humanoid, even though there are humanoids out there that I've seen, they look exactly like human beings. But we're not talking about that right now. But that little robot, it's a very um, simple, you know, little robot, but they can do so many things to enhance your life. I think it's very, very cool, but I've shared it to some other people and they looked at it like, I don't want to have that in my <laughs> house because at the same time, it's a security robot. In other words, it hears noises somewhere in the room if you're not at the house and it will go there like a little dog <laughs> and see you and send you an alert and tell oh, you what's happening. I don't know, happened. man. So, <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you. I'm going to have to think about this. <laughs> I got that reaction, you know, with you. With, I just feel like I if I was, people. I feel like if I was like on like a random YouTube video and I looked like instead of working and I just, it was like in my doorway, I would just be like, <laughs> don't judge me. You know, like, get out of here. But Hey, yeah. you know, it's, it, I think yeah. you make a great point. There is like sort of like this both sides of it. I think about, um, Boston dynamics, they put out video content every now and then of their robot that can like jump and run. And it's kind of crazy seeing how much that's developed. Uh, and then I read that um, Jeff Bezos is trying to discover how to live forever. Uh, so I don't know if we're heading towards like the Futurama-esque like head and like the water container world, but um, it it can be a bit inherently scary, I think, for the average person. But I assume probably 30, 40 years ago, that was similarly how people felt was, you know, if you talked about um, some of the technologies that we have today that are frankly kind of boring, but everyday technology, I'm sure there'd be people back then who would have been fearful or questioning or suspicious even of it. Um, so I don't know if you ever check out the um, Futurology subreddit on Reddit, um, but there's a lot of cool stuff that gets posted there on like the latest technologies and some of the crazy things, but I have um, not definitely. Yeah. That will be some of my uh, routine because I go through, you know, a bunch of websites that I usually yeah. check. <laughs> my and my goal today know, is I'm to not... find more ways to waste your time. <laughs> How can I eat up your productivity even more? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about speaking of productivity. Speaking of you know the average workday, you have a another stream of income. Um, this other side of your entrepreneurial world, which is day trading. And this is something that is, um, you and I have swapped kind of funny stories of, you know, I think everyone knows or has heard like various stories of like, you know, the guy who, you know, does the second mortgage on the house to like buy in. It's like, oh, it's about to just skyrocket. And, you know, there's a bit of like meme culture there of like, you see this with the Bitcoin on like holding or things like that. And um, I think you and I had even seen a video of like a guy who was, and I don't, I'm not smart enough to know the language here, but was maybe trading on margin or something. I don't know what he was doing, but um, 
all, all that to say, immediately his balance went like to negative like twenty thousand dollars, and <laughs> you could see his soul leave his body. Um, yeah. Talks a little bit about what's what is the world of day trading for you? Day trading, it's a love and hate relationship. That's the way I want to start with it. Uh, I I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I've started several businesses in my life. Uh, some of them have been successful. Some of them have not been successful. And, and the way I see it is I learn from every single one of them. And uh, I don't see a failure as a failure, but I see it as a, as a road of learning towards you end up what you end up, what you actually want to end up in. So I started day trading probably two and a half years ago. Um, and the way trading is, it's the way I describe it to people that ask me the same question you did. And they said, what is trading? Well, trading is a very simple component or concept of buying high, or sorry, buying low and mm-hmm. selling high. The concept is simple. Mm-hmm. What is the, why is it all so hard? Because it's a very hard thing to do. So an advice to people that wants to do it, I encourage them to pursue their dreams. That's something I have not hesitated to do. And thank God I've been able to do it. But then when I'm into the stage of I've done it already, I want to be able to strive and be the best of what I do. So going back to day trading, I would say day trading, it's probably 20% knowledge and 80% psychology. And that might be a term or a concept that people might be, huh, I never even thought that about that. And I'll tell you why. The fact that you can see if a stock goes or hit a certain level, which is usually where you would buy or sell, is not very complicated to do. What is a very complicated thing to do is hold your emotions mm. to when is the best time to sell or buy. The amount of emotions that you can have in a trading period, I don't want to say trading day, a period can be as long as you hold the stocks. As a day trader, I never keep a stock overnight. I would sell them throughout intraday. Most likely, I would hold them from a, you know, a, a stock from minutes to an hour, let's say, or it's sometimes even less. In within that time, you need to be able to, to hold your emotion because at the time that your stock is losing money, the sense of urgency of pain that you feel inside of you is, I want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. So you need to manage your emotion because every single time that you put in a trade, even before you start, you need to be able to have a strategy. A strategy means what happens if the stock doesn't go your way or what happens when a stock actually hits your, your goal and you need to get out. So all those emotions need to be well uh, in check and your strategy needs to be well developed even before you take one single trade. Now, uh, developing strategy, this this is already enormously more work than <laughs> I feel like the average, you know, I'm just going to go, I, I, I'm going to try to like not rip on day traders um, since you are a guest today, but it, it does feel like... Uh, and I'm and I apologize because I I don't know if this is offensive or if this is okay, but the the closest analogy I have to day trading is just what I'm familiar with with cryptocurrency, which 
you know, I, I don't know if that one's a bit more of a, um, you know, I don't know if day traders are like, well, we're different. We're different than <laughs> cryptocurrency traders or if it's, if it's ubiquitous. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's all in the same. I have no idea the, the culture here of this, but um, what I will say is it does feel like people without much thought will, you know, like, Hey, did you hear that? It's at this price. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta get my money, you know, and they buy in. And then, um, like I, I even, it's weird how like, these conversations even happen. Like I had a friend over like maybe six months ago, I think when Bitcoin was at like 65 K or something, and we aren't even talking about trading anything. And he's like, yeah, so I bought in on Bitcoin and you know, it's like these conversations are just happening, but I'm like, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of conversation around like, here's the plan that I've put forward. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to sell at. Um, and again, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's okay to, to loop in crypto, but that's just the only similar experience I have with you that I'm able to draw on. Um, all that to say, it feels like you're already, you know, nights, you know, streets ahead of people who are, um, you know, day trading. So. Absolutely. And um, crypto is a form of trading. Absolutely. It's just a type of asset that you trade. You know, within the trading world, you have forex, you have options, you have futures, you have crypto now. So all those are at different type of assets that you trade. I want to, you know, I, what I like the most is actually stocks. That's where I've concentrated my efforts and try to become the best what I do. Do I understand crypto? Of course I understand it. One of the things that I would um, encourage people that look into, into uh, a diversified portfolio, meaning as well looking into investing into cryptocurrency, it's to do their research. I encourage them to understand a little bit of how patterns of, mo of price movements work because that will tell you where is the best time to actually buy or sell. Let's remove the type of assets that we are trading, okay? Every asset will actually move in a certain way, which we call patterns. Those patterns repeat sometimes themselves. And as a trader, you need to be able to tell and look at the chart and see, hey, the stock is doing this. The stock is the stock. Sorry, the asset now is trending. The stock is in an uptrend. The, the 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 asset now is in a downtrend. Having that macro level of actually what's happening with that asset will give you a good fundamental of where is the best place to buy. In a stock as well, there's the, the, the price moves between two levels, the way I want to call it, in, without getting so technical that our listeners won't pay attention. But it's such a fascinating world that let's call it we have a level of support and resistance. A resistant level is where a stock actually goes down to a certain extent and then bounce back up. And a... a uh, a resistant level is a level of kind of a ceiling where the, the stock price will just get to that level and then usually goes down or it stays, you know, in sort of in the same range price. Yeah. So by understanding that kind of concept, you would have an idea of, oh, okay, now it's a good time to buy. They usually, we call it by the dip. It's the dip is usually when there's a value of an asset actually has hit a, a support level. Mm -hmm. And then you can just go out buy and 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 you hopefully you know we increase in value and go up. But that is a very macro level of 
the things that you can do in order to have an idea. Because what is happening, like give you a great example that you 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 mentioned uh, about your friend buying uh, crypto at sixty five thousand. What happened after that? The stock fell. Yeah, they went down to thirty k, I guess, or something like that. So people get uh, what I call one of the biggest uh, human emotions, which is FOMO, the fear of missing out. So going back to my earlier comment of keeping your emotions in check is that FOMO is so huge in this business. And the, and the other, and the downside is the fear of losing. So the fear of losing money is something so powerful in you that actually it's called analysis paralysis. That you're looking at something, you're looking at the stock just going south, and you just don't you just, you just don't process. So, going back to crypto, people that thought, "Oh wow, that crypto is going to go to a hundred thousand, I'm going to buy now." What happened is it bought at a high level, and sadly enough, the stock went down. So, I encourage people to uh, inform themselves. I encourage people as well to have a diversified portfolio, to look into a best way to diversify their money. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. But then, crypto is one of those as well, a little tricky because it's very uh, volatile. Mm-hmm. Volatile is your friend in trading. We need to have volatility in order to stock that price movement to go up and down. But as well, just be careful, just have an idea what you're, you, what you're doing and have that concept of how a price of an asset moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, and I've seen a little bit of this, and you mentioned even FOMO, but it reminds me of, um, this was years ago, I think Bitcoin was, it was at like maybe 15, 16, 17K. I mean, it had never been so high before. And I went to the doctors with my wife and I overheard like the front desk people being like, oh yeah, and I saw Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden I had like this out-of-body experience of like, what is going on here? Like everyone is talking about this and it actually crashed right after that. Um, but it does feel like there's a bit of this odd uh, social aspect where like people are sort of encouraging one, one another, like, hey, get in while you can. Or like when it's tumbling, like the, you know, everyone hold, like don't sell, like, you know, you're going to regret it. And then it goes down more. Um, I don't know what that phenomenon's called, but it, it, and now we're even seeing it with, or uh, we did see it with GameStop where mm. there is like this sort of social energy or um, thing that's present now in trading that has that always been there? Just It's just now more easily seen or is this kind of a you know, in the last few years, kind of a social media-esque phenomenon that's jumped up? That's a great point you brought. And the way I will answer this, in the time I've been trading and the information and the, in the, um, the studying and the investment in, in understanding and learning, that is a little, a little bit newer concept. You know, it's got a, I think it's, it started from Wall Street bets and they call it meme stocks. In meme stocks, it was more of giving more power to the retail trader because the way the stock market actually moves, it is within institutional traders and retail traders. I am a retail trader. Institutional traders are the big banks, hedge funds and investment. uh, And they are pretty much the ones who move the market. 
retail retail traders are not the traders that are actually going to move the, the the stock market. So when you think that actually going into the market and you buy and the price moves up, it wasn't because of you. And <laughs> it's because of the institutional traders. Yeah. Those are the ones who move them. But I said that because the, if you shift the power to the retail trader, it's exactly what happened to GameStop. So the power was moved to the retail to the retail trader, and they said, hold the line. We will not sell. So that phenomenon, I think it was just so fascinating, the fact that I, don't, I haven't seen that before, in the fact that the power actually shifted to the retail trader, and we all know actually what happened there. The stock just went to the moon, you know? And people made a lot of money, and there's a lot of people that lost a lot of money. So it's very interesting. As a day trader, I have I tend to have the pulse in both sides. I want to know what actually you know the mean stop the stocks are doing, and especially after GameStop, that is something that is more relevant. It's something that people would just think, oh, it was a fluke, you know, won't happen again. It actually can happen again because there's a there's a group of people that trade that way on which are the stocks of the you know the Wall Street bets are betting on that might go up and might go down. So mm-hmm. it was a very inter- interesting, you know, AMC was another one that went huge. BlackBerry as well, which I traded, it did the same story, not as crazy as GameStop, but you know, it can happen. Yeah. So it's, it's something that we need to just be aware of. It's pretty fascinating because I'm I just pulled up the uh, stock price for GameStop and it, I, I actually I hadn't followed news. I didn't know if it went back down and it, it didn't. I mean, it, it was trading a, a couple of years ago at four dollars a share. Uh, exactly at its right. peak, you know, at the height <laughs> of the whole thing, it was at three hundred and twenty-five. But currently trading at one hundred and fifty dollars a share, wow. um, which is just an insane, an insane um, increase. Uh, and that is, you know, a couple of years after uh, that whole thing. So, absolutely, yeah. The social aspect's pretty fascinating. Now, when it comes to just learning the, you know, your own analysis of looking at patterns. Um, and when I first got exposed to patterns, I kind of thought this was like astrology, like horoscope, you know, <laughs> not to yes. offend like my four listeners who, you know, love astrology. But uh, I thought I was like, okay, come on. But then I started seeing like, okay, yeah, I do see, but, but obviously it's not easily mastered. Cause I have seen things where someone's like, oh, and I'm just, this is going to, as a person who doesn't know anything, it's going to set my, it might sound silly, but um, just like, phrasing that I know, um, like, oh, that's a double peak. Oh, actually, no, that was a double cat dead bounce dying. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, I Absolutely. thought it was this, but actually yes. it was something way different, you know? And yes. I mean, it, so it, obviously there's a bit of expertise. How did you, I mean, have you just kind of thrown yourself into really like learning this, studying this, like being able to like spot it, I guess, better than the, better than the average person? Let me start with, I remember when I started. If I I speak a, uh, you know some other languages other than English, but uh, Japanese is not a language that I speak, nor I understand a thing. That is the way ch- uh, uh, charts and mm-hmm. bar charts used candlesticks used to look. I had no remote idea what they were saying, mm-hmm. and I say this not to discourage people but encourage people if there's something that they want to do it just to set aside the time and the passion Mm -hmm. and the will to learn and that's what drives me and i said i will learn 
how to do this. And there's a gazillion online courses that you can buy. Let me warn you, in my experience, don't spend your money yet on those things. Get the free resources that there's a readily available online for you just to educate yourself. As you progress in your career and you get better, I, then I encourage you to become, in, let's say, in phase two. When you start becoming in the uh, more of a professional mindset and how do they do it. But once you start creating your basis, don't believe all those videos and all those uh, um, uh, gurus that they say you will make a gazillion million dollars. That is actually not true. I'm sorry to tell you guys, but that's not true. <laughs> what is true is that if you really put your effort and you really put your mind to it and you put all your will to learn, and a desire to learn and become good at it, you will be able to do that. And I can mm. guarantee you that because I did that. But going to your previous point, I threw myself in there and I remember thinking, I don't think I'll be able to do this. So I tell you something though, if I was able to do it, I can guarantee you will be able to do it. Just have the will and the discipline to do it. Mm. Now, as you do in everything, in, in, in new businesses, as, as, as you grow as a person as well, you would have some bruises. And bruises, I mean, you have some losses in the business. Don't let just those losses discourage you, okay? I don't see losses as a loss of money. I see that as a cost of doing business. As doing business, there's some costs that you need to in order to run the business. That's right. one of them. And those are stepping stones for me to learn every single day and become better. Now, one thing too I want to add is the fact that if you want to do this or for, for living of a part-time or a way to get extra income, um, be able to have a lot of resilience in this and be able to look back at your mistakes and analyze and see why did you do that mistake? That is a very, very important. Let's say you lost X amount of money. Don't let it just be like, okay, I lost money. We need to understand exactly the reason that you lost money. So we don't do those mistakes again. Mm. It's great. It's great advice. And um, I mean, for our listeners, you heard it here first, day trading, not a get rich quick scheme. Uh, not something that you're probably going to jump into tonight or tomorrow, or as soon as you listen to this episode and be like, yeah, I can, I'll get on YouTube. I can learn candlesticks. This is easy, you know, and then be a gazillionaire. And I, I think it is really great advice. I mean, we're kind of joking about it being like, well, I mean, duh. And yet it's so this phenomenon of social media where people are talking about, oh, it's so easy. It's never been easier. It's so simple. And not just with trading, but with I think like you mentioned, everything related to business. I mean, it's never been easier to scale your business to seven figures. And then you like actually have the conversation. I was actually talking to a guy a few days ago. He was like, oh, I just bought my business. Or no, he said, I just ruined the, the whole point of the story. He was like, oh yeah, my, I'm only in month three of my business and it's already a multi-million dollar business. Like pretty amazing. And I was like, wow, that's pretty unique. Tell me more. And he bought, he bought the business like a few months earlier and it was okay. already, it was already, I was <laughs> like, running. I mean, like, bro, come on. But that, that, that is the world we live in now. And so I, I do think your advice, though it may be discouraging for the listener, I say that in the sense of you guys, the average listener, more and more, you're going to hear this on the show. There's not a quick path to success. There's not something you're going to do overnight. 
And the people who legitimately, I say that intentionally, legitimately have that story in very tiny cases are freaking rock stars who made it happen. In bigger cases, they got incredibly lucky with great timing. And then there's the rest of us who put in the work, who put in the timing year after year after year. Uh, and so if you've been listening to this episode, listening for that, that key insight to make you a ton of money tomorrow, which, hey, I hope you make it, uh, it may not be coming tomorrow, but it definitely will down the line if you put in the work. So Jose, great advice. And man, what a great episode today. We are out of time. Uh, I, I want to tell our listeners, definitely make sure you check out nextgenliving.net, especially if two things. One, if you're ready to uh, install a smart home system in your home, you absolutely want Jose to partner with you to do that. And then also, if you're just looking for consulting on how to on what a system might look like, how to actually do it, maybe even yourself, or maybe even eventually have Jose do it, again, it'd be great to reach out to him. Jose, what's the best way for people to contact you? They can reach me at, to my email. They can reach it to my phone number and my website. All that information is on my website as well. Great. And for our listeners, I'm going to put all of those things down in our episode description below. Uh, Jose, man, it went by so fast. What a great conversation. You were amazing. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? No, just pursue your dreams. Love it. Love it, man. Thank you for coming on today. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Hey, for our listeners, if you listened to this episode and you enjoyed the podcast, maybe you're a first-time listener and you just stumbled across this podcast. Hey, if you like the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button so you can keep getting the good advice we're sharing on a daily basis here on the show. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're thinking, hey, I like where this podcast is going and I want to support the podcast, you can do that for as little as the price of a cup of coffee at our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. And I'll make sure to put that link down in the episode description below, along with the best way to reach out to Jose. Uh, those of you who support the podcast, we so appreciate you. We appreciate you being part of the Good Advice Tribe. And hey, that's today's episode, and that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.